Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, July 3rd, 2023, the 894th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So we had quite an interesting weekend, plenty to talk about, but I want to start by picking up on something we discussed toward the end of last week, and perhaps something was in the air, but I got a little lucky with timing. Last week, I was talking about Donald Trump's endorsements, and I was using as an example 
Lindsey Graham, a person who seems to be the antithesis of what it means to be MAGA. And Trump has endorsed him. Graham has endorsed Trump. And a lot of people think that this highlights Trump's hypocrisy, his lack of principles, his inconsistency. These people claim that it is proof that Trump will just do whatever it takes to get ahead. All of this is political pragmatism. He says he opposes virtually everything Lindsey Graham stands for. And nonetheless, here he is with Lindsey Graham endorsing Lindsey Graham and Lindsey Graham is endorsing Trump. So I talked last week about foundational misunderstandings and how it would be a foundational misunderstanding to think that Donald Trump is a stupid man who is governed only by his ego. He lacks self-control. He thinks only about his personal benefit, particularly in regards to his public image in the short term. He wants to present himself as a winner. All of the bad elements of Donald Trump's character and being are on display once again with his endorsement of Lindsey Graham, as they are any time he does something that a certain set of people don't understand. They'll say that they voted for Trump twice. They'll say they like the policies, but that's where it stops. They've always thought he's stupid. They themselves are far, far smarter. Sure, Trump is famous and successful and defeated the storied political dynasties of this country in order to become president. But that was all just handed to him. He got a step up in life from his father. And that's what made all of this possible. He didn't do anything himself. In fact, he's just a showman and a con man and everyone fell for it. That is what they say. All of Donald Trump's bad characteristics are being brought out Yet again, because this set of people doesn't agree with something Donald Trump does. Therefore, it reaffirms for them how bad Donald Trump is. It reaffirms their foundational misunderstanding because that foundational misunderstanding gives them an explanation for this and they don't need to consider anything else beyond it. Now, it's an odd foundational misunderstanding to commit to because it is exactly the same one that the television repeats all the time. And no matter how many times the television talks about how bad Donald Trump is and all of these character flaws and deficits, despite eight years in the public eye constantly, despite a very successful four-year presidency with a booming economy and no wars, The TV is still correct about Donald Trump, despite the Russiagate hoax that was actually about Hillary Clinton and the Ukraine impeachment hoax, which was actually about Joe Biden. And despite the covid lies and the stolen election and the very violent insurrection through all of those fake news stories about Donald Trump, the media is still right about Donald Trump and his character flaws. His deficits in character. This is who Donald Trump is. And everybody out there can see it with their own eyes whenever they see clips of Donald Trump on the fake news. Now, without Donald Trump's character flaws and deficits and the story about who he is from the fake news, there is no explanation for these people for any of these things they see. That is the only explanation for the Lindsey Graham endorsement. It's that Donald Trump is bad. 
Now, I proposed last week that Donald Trump is always in mid-negotiation and he has ongoing business with Lindsey Graham. They have a situation worked out. Donald Trump will say nice things about Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham will say nice things about Donald Trump. South Carolina is a very important state. Lindsey Graham has held power there for a long time. And whatever the situation is, Donald Trump and Lindsey Graham have negotiated themselves into this deal. We are seeing the effects of that deal. They are nice to each other in public, period. You don't need to adopt or repeat the television's foundational misunderstandings of who Donald Trump is to be able to explain it. You can just simply say, oh, yeah, this is how politics works. People make deals. People endorse one another based on deals. And in terms of priorities, endorsements are really, really low priorities. So Donald Trump was in Pickens, South Carolina over the weekend to give a speech. He did the speech outdoors in the middle of this small town. The Pickens County police chief said there were no less than 50,000 people in attendance there. Though the Ron campaign tried to pretend it was only 2,000. And during the rally in South Carolina, Lindsey Graham went up on stage and was booed by everyone loudly. Very embarrassing. If you are the constantly reelected senator from South Carolina, when Donald Trump brought up Lindsey Graham's name on stage, he would be booed again and he would tell the crowd, ah, oh, that's okay. Don't be so hard on Lindsey. He's there when you need him. That's how Trump handled it. Well, people went crazy online. People said they were infuriated that Donald Trump and Lindsey Graham had made some sort of endorsement deal. How could Donald Trump do this? Donald Trump has betrayed us by making an endorsement deal with Lindsey Graham. We'd better forget about how Donald Trump is actually trying to fight a global regime and make sure that global regime does not take over America forever. They stole an election from him, but now that he's made an endorsement deal with Lindsey Graham, gosh, you know, we better replace that guy with whoever the regime will allow to win in one of their rigged elections. It is absolutely so dumb. It is just virtue signaling to other people on the uniparty right. Oh, you found out Lindsey Graham was bad. Congratulations. Look at the big brain on that person. We know Lindsey Graham is bad. You know who told us that and exposed it to the world? Oh, it's Donald Trump. But he probably just exposed that to then go back on it because really Donald Trump, he's an asset of the regime too. You better pick someone like Ron who's young and not irrationally hated by lots of people. If you are infuriated by Donald Trump and Lindsey Graham having an endorsement deal, you need your priorities examined ASAP. You watch an election be stolen from a president of the United States of America by a global regime. You see the illegitimate president do everything possible to destroy the country. And your response to all of that is to feel emotional 
about an endorsement deal with Lindsey Graham and then support someone who the regime will allow to win in a rigged election. Smart. Thinking like that will definitely save the country. And naturally, these are the same people who are mad at Donald Trump for the vaccine. Another thing they are emotional about. How could he do this? Well, I guess it's hard to explain if you have the foundational misunderstanding thinking that Donald Trump is a stupid narcissist and egomaniac who can't control himself and never knows what he's doing, always acting for his own benefit in the short term, mostly centered around his image. And to prove that the vaccine is all Donald Trump's fault, we are told that Donald Trump had brought Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in for a vaccine safety commission as president, and then... Pfizer donated a million dollars to the inaugural committee, and that million dollars convinced a billionaire who was not taking a salary as president that he should sit idly by while the regime committed genocide. A million dollars. Now, does that make any sense to anyone at all? No, of course not. Unless... You have a foundational misunderstanding that Donald Trump is stupid and narcissistic. He's very greedy, of course. He doesn't know what he's doing. He can't control himself. And he is easily bought off. And therefore, because of all those character deficits and character flaws, he signed up to commit genocide and told Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to go to hell. That is what happened, according to these people. That's the sort of thought you can have with a foundational misunderstanding. Does it make any sense whatsoever? Nope. But how else are they going to explain it? And the truth is, why bother? Why bother when you can be emotional, appeal to that foundational misunderstanding that you know is shared by everyone who is still asleep and everyone who still pays way too much respect to the mainstream media and to the central narrative they propagate. Outside the bounds of that central narrative, it is not all that difficult to make sense of Operation Warp Speed, just like it's not that difficult to make sense of Trump's endorsements. People are demanding a perfect understanding and perfect action from another person in a position of great responsibility and far better information while not demanding the same of anyone else and certainly not themselves. Nitpicking at Donald Trump is utterly absurd if you understand what's going on. If elections are stolen in this country and this nation has been usurped and there is an illegitimate man pretending to be president, why in the world are you spending your time nitpicking Donald Trump and tearing down Donald Trump on behalf of a candidate who has no chance of winning and no business running, who is supported by people far worse than Lindsey Graham. How does that work? And once again, it all ties back to that same foundational misunderstanding. Donald Trump isn't dumb, especially not compared to the people who are asserting that he is. If you're awake, wonderful. 
It doesn't mean you know more about what's going on right now than Donald Trump. In fact, there's absolutely no chance you do. And you don't have to think that he is some infallible godlike savior in order to know that he's president of the United States. He's not your friend on Twitter. He was actually in there handling what's going on right now, figuring out how to fortify this country for this time that we are dealing with, at least being shown this illegitimate president running things. Last week, we had that audio recording where Donald Trump was talking about the situation with Iran. The media was trying to claim, based on things said by Mark Milley, that Donald Trump was going to start a war with Iran in the transition period if he lost so that he could stay in power. That's what was claimed. Did Donald Trump do that? Clearly not. Donald Trump did not bomb Iran to stay in power. Now, if he had done something like that and everyone was making excuses for him, then maybe you can be like, okay, well, those Trump supporters are going a little far right now. This is actually a moral abomination and they're taking his side on it and hoping for the death of more innocent Iranians. Now, if that was the situation, maybe these people would have a case, but it's not the situation. They're mad about Operation Warp Speed and people taking a vaccine that Donald Trump did not tell them to take. And they're mad about an endorsement deal with Lindsey Graham. These are the priorities that they want to go out and signal their own virtue to everyone else. I am the smart and objective one. Don't call me a cultist. Don't associate me with those people. I call them a cultist too. Don't you see how I'm in your club and not their club? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you nailed it. Yes, your club, your club is the one pretending Joe Biden actually received 81 million real lawful American votes and that we can just solve everything by electing a Republican next time around. That's your club. We're the cultists. Oh, I get it. Smart. Trump is responsible for the vaccine and we're cultists, but we didn't take the vaccine and none of us are mad at Trump for Operation Warp Speed. So we're in the cult, even though you injected yourself with a toxic experimental substance that can't protect you from a disease that can't kill you because the television told you You'd get in trouble if you didn't. And we're in the cult. Oh, it was somebody else that did that, that, you know, and it's Trump's fault because somebody else couldn't figure it out for themselves. And we're in the cult. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. These are the sorts of results you will get with foundational misunderstandings. The baseline beliefs that you possess are the roots of all your other thoughts in how you understand the world. And so it's important to make sure you're right about those and make sure you're skeptical about those. If you adopt an idea like Donald Trump is a stupid narcissist who has no idea what he's doing, always pursuing his own best interest, can't control himself, etc., and you developed that idea eight years ago from watching the television and you still have that idea right now, you haven't been skeptical about your foundational misunderstandings. It's quite possible that you over-prioritize the optics of someone's behavior. Donald Trump is an adult. He doesn't need a behavioral review from people online 
who are infuriated about Lindsey Graham endorsements. And for the record, nothing could have ever shown how opposed American citizens are to the global regime than Lindsey Graham going up on that stage and getting booed and Donald Trump receiving a bad reaction from the people every time he mentions Lindsey Graham. The people don't like Lindsey Graham. Now that's national news. Does that hurt Donald Trump? Does that hurt MAGA? Does it hurt MAGA that the rest of the country sees that MAGA does not like Lindsey Graham? Does that hurt MAGA? Does that bother establishment Republican voters? How many of those people could possibly be left? Lindsey Graham fans who are really going to hold this against MAGA and against Donald Trump. And what are they going to do? Anything? No. They're going to get upset, maybe online. They're going to tell everyone how infuriated they are. And then it won't matter at all. It doesn't hurt Trump. It doesn't hurt MAGA. It doesn't empower the regime. And in the future, it doesn't make any difference in a real world way whatsoever. So why do we need to hear about your feelings? But let's pick up again on the RFK vaccine thing. RFK Jr. has brought up in multiple interviews at this point the story about how he was initially working with Donald Trump on a vaccine advisory commission. He was trying to get information. He was trying to get access that was thwarted. Then he says, at some point, Trump receives this million dollar donation. He brings a couple of pharma execs into the administration. He shuts down the vaccine commission. Therefore, and that was that. That is RFK Jr.'s explanation of the situation. Now, is all of that true? Yes, on some level, all of that is true. Is there any explanation? Is there any nuance? Is there any understanding that could be added to that explanation that would change your perspective on what was done? And let's use some of what we've learned over the last eight years about the extents to which the regime will go to protect their own power and diminish Donald Trump's power without the slightest concern for human lives and human prosperity. With that in mind, let's listen to something Donald Trump said in a speech in front of Moms for Liberty on Friday in Philadelphia. One penny to any institution that has a vaccine mandate or a mask mandate from kindergarten through college. And as most of you know, I have opposed mandates from day one, unlike some other people. I will also continue my long record of standing up to Big Pharma by creating a special presidential commission to investigate what is causing the decades-long increases in child diseases, autoimmune disorders, autism, obesity, infertility, and other chronic health problems. We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to find out. Something's happening out there, and it's not good. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That sounds a whole lot like the commission he had already formed with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. back in 2017. And it goes beyond just vaccine safety. He's talking about a whole lot of problems there, not just autism, obesity, infertility, 
childhood disease and autoimmune disorders. Now, does that all trace back to vaccines? Hey, I don't know. I have a feeling plenty of it does, but there's probably a lot of other things they're doing to people in order to destroy people's health. And I know that people don't like thinking about that or talking about that. But the truth is that we are all adults and it's time to wake up. There is a global depopulation agenda. They don't hide it. They talk about it in public. People, for some reason, hear them saying it and they're like, well, no, they're not talking about actually depopulating the planet. They're just saying it's a good idea if everyone stops having babies. Otherwise, the earth is going to be destroyed by the sun and then none of us can live here. But they would never actually implement a program that killed us or made it impossible for us to have babies. I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I know that they say on TV all the time that they are doing it and then they release medical products that kill people and then they're not held accountable for it at all. But they would never actually release products to kill people knowing that they're not held accountable just to reduce the population of the earth, even though they say that's exactly what they want to do or else everyone's going to die. They would never do that. Well, yeah, I mean, they would do that and they are doing that. They have been doing that and they plan to continue doing that. And again, they're more than happy to tell you about it. They're more than happy to tell you that they believe most of the humans on this planet are useless eaters who will be made obsolete by their technology very soon. So in their moral worldview, it is actually totally okay for them to ease that process in a way they consider humane. Now, do I know 100% that Donald Trump is talking about reforming that exact committee that he was going to do and doing it with Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Well, no, I don't. But I have a very, very strong suspicion that that's exactly what he would be doing and that he would be doing it with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and I don't think that there is anyone who was talking about that in public prior to me doing it. I began talking about that as soon as rumors of RFK Jr.'s presidential run began to surface. And it wasn't all that hard to spot because I never believed the central narrative about the vaccine commission that was shut down and disbanded in the first place. Why? Because I don't have the foundational misunderstanding telling me that Donald Trump is an idiot who will do evil things for a relatively small amount of money for a multi-billionaire. The idea that Donald Trump was trying to slightly increase his net worth by doing all of this is one of the dumbest things anyone on the planet has ever believed. Why in the world? Would any multi-billionaire put themselves through this for more money so that they can do what? Go golf? He already golfs. It's not like he's 35 and doing all this to set himself up for a life of luxury. These are his golden years and he's using them to help save the country at massive personal cost. It's not the other way around. Now, I don't know how that'll take shape. I can't guarantee 
that RFK Jr. is going to be the guy. But I think that he will if he's not named vice president in potentially a third party run, which, again, I think I proposed before anyone else out there, which is in no way, by the way, to say I thought of it on my own, because if it happens the way I'm describing, then it has clearly been planned for an awfully long time. Therefore, there would be other people who knew about it long before I did. But vice president or maybe just some presidential appointment to clean up the deep state bureaucracy? Could Robert F. Kennedy Jr. do that? Yeah, he would probably be the ideal candidate to do that because he's been doing it his entire life. He has a background in exactly that. And let's put that part of Trump's statement before Moms for Liberty aside for just a moment. What else did Donald Trump say? He said he would not provide a single penny of federal funding to any school or any college who had vaccine or mask mandates. Consider what that means. What is the tool they use right now to force parents to comply with the vaccine schedule provided by their doctor, really provided by the medical industry and really provided by big pharma? Well, they tell you you're not going to be able to enroll your kid in school. In school, they have mandates for vaccines in order to protect the other kids. Every kid is responsible for being vaccinated. Otherwise, all those kids will die. Get them 50 shots, 60 shots, 80 shots, whatever it is. You got to get all those shots. Otherwise, all the other kids will die without this protection from pharma, you are going to kill other kids in some conspiracy theorist attempt to save your own child. What kind of mother are you that you are trying to save your own child? That's basically where we are with all of this at this point. So if Donald Trump as president was going to strip federal funding away from all schools, colleges, universities, etc., that impose vaccine or mask mandates, what is that going to do to the pharma industry and the vaccine regime in particular? Oh, yeah, that's probably going to destroy them, especially after seeing all of this go down throughout covid. Where is the vaccine regime going to stand after all of this is over once Trump is back in his rightful position? And unless you're going to claim that Donald Trump is just lying about what he wants to do in the future, then why would he plan on doing all that, even though he's still riding the wave of that sweet, sweet Pfizer million from six and a half years ago? Is Trump just tricking everyone so that he can start another genocide? Child brains, is that what's happening? Oh, I'm so infuriated. Why can't he ever admit that he's wrong? And why can't you admit that Trump never admits he's wrong? Hey, uh, why can't you admit that Donald Trump is doing something on a level so high that you don't understand it and that there are bigger priorities than your personal feelings about his tweets? or who he makes endorsement deals with. If you want the country to be saved, if you actually want this to be a great nation, how about you figure out how to come to terms with your feelings about Donald Trump and then move through the world in a way that will create 
the circumstances where our country can be saved. Why not focus for a few minutes on the fact that the election was stolen and the man we're being told is president is 100% illegitimate. Why do you need to know that other people will join you in nitpicking Donald Trump, the single most necessary, most valuable, most effective weapon against this global regime? Why do you need other people to go along with nitpicking that man over relative irrelevancies just so that you can continue to maintain your foundational misunderstanding? He's not dumb. He's not doing all this for his own benefit. He can control himself. He knows what he's doing. In fact, he knows exactly what he's doing. And that's why the mean tweets upset people so much, because the people they're affecting know that he's not just shooting his mouth off online. Trump doesn't need to admit he was wrong about things. That doesn't matter at all. And there is nothing to be gained by him just offering up new ways for stupid people with foundational misunderstandings about who he is to attack him. Do you want the problems to be fixed or not? If one of those problems is stolen elections and you think the way to fix that is by taking down the guy who the election was stolen from and then finding someone the regime won't steal an election from, I don't know how to help you. That is not a rational line of thinking. I don't know how we got to the point in this country where we think we should choose who leads the country based on who we like. Ah, I just don't really like Donald Trump. I don't like his voice. I don't like the way he says things online. I think he's mean. He's kind of orange. He's not the same color as me. It's just weird. It doesn't seem like a normal color for people, even for someone who's outside a lot in Florida. I hate red hats. I think his supporters are stupid and annoying and uneducated and dirty. And eventually you get all the way down to remembering that, yeah, it's a hate movement. They believe that they are better than Donald Trump and his supporters. That belief has existed for eight years running. That belief is going to continue. And it would be real hard to maintain that belief if these people, for just a second, thought, oh, yeah, you know, maybe Donald Trump does know more than me about what's going on. Maybe as president, he had access to information I simply don't have. But nope, that can't be it because he's stupid and (laughs) I'm very, very smart. Isn't it great how it all just exists in a circle? You think Trump is stupid. You see things happen in the world. You're like, hey, how are those things all happening? Well, I don't know, but there's got to be some explanation for it. Could it be Trump again? That Trump is bad and stupid? Oh, yeah, it is. In fact, this proves that Donald Trump is bad and stupid once again. So Donald Trump is bad and stupid. Look at all these things happening in the world. How do we explain them? Well, we don't know. Could they be explained by Trump being bad and stupid? Well, sure, why not? So let's use that. Oh, look at that. These things confirm how Trump is bad and stupid. Just around in a circle, over and over again. 
And apparently that still seems satisfactory. It seems intellectual and it's emotionally satisfying for people who just aren't ready to wake up all the way. And by the way, I know that people probably in my audience deal with some of these issues and I'm making light of them and poking fun at them. I understand that. But at some point, we really do just have to get past this. It's been eight years of complaining about Trump's personality. Anytime something happens that people can't readily explain on their own, we don't need an explanation for everything, especially not immediately. There are very high level things going on in this world right now. There are powerful forces in confrontation. Things are occurring at a level that we can't just readily and easily understand. And when that happens, it takes work. That's why we talk about not reacting immediately to everything. Understanding is better than reacting. As my good friend, Just Human, often says, if I'm right about Trump and RFK Jr., and I understand that I might not be, but if I am, we probably won't know that for six months or a year from now. And it could have been set into motion six years ago or longer. But if it turns out next year that we find out that's true, it doesn't just become true next year. It means it's true now, and it means it's true six years ago, and it could have been true even much longer ago than that. Now, you might not find my case for that compelling. You might think my theory is totally off base and nothing about it appeals to you whatsoever. You think it is absolutely wrong with no chance of being right. And if that's you, you are totally welcome to have that point of view. But if that's not true and you think there's a chance that might be right, then you know that the answer to that is not available now, but you have been presented with a plausible situation that would turn your thinking on its head if you are the sort of person that believes Donald Trump took a million dollars to shut down that commission and commit genocide. If you believe that next to a plausible situation that doesn't require such an outlandish and extraordinary interpretation, then maybe it's time to just back off it a little bit and think, well, maybe we'll just wait and see. And here's another thing. The bonus of taking a wait and see approach to this and thinking about whether or not there might be other explanations is that if we are right and we've got a pretty good track record, then it actually exposes a character flaw in you, in me, in each one of us who adopts these kinds of beliefs when we spend time tearing down a man who is almost definitely trying to help us based on something we don't understand because we want to blame all of our problems on this man's character flaws. Now, I'm not trying to assume where everyone's belief systems guide them, but in my personal moral code and what I know about moral codes, holding that sort of judgment against someone else on very flimsy justification and then turning out to be wrong after being really publicly angry and willing to risk your country to justify your anger 
Well, that doesn't sound like the best approach. That doesn't sound like the best way to be comfortable with your decision-making processes in a year from now. The case people make to say Trump has big problems on the vaccine is actually a thinner, weaker, less evidenced case than the case that Russia was colluding in the 2016 election. And we know that all of that was made up. But at least there was compelling information to reach the conclusion if that information had been true. It turns out that information wasn't true. So the complexity of the case was all a fabrication. Believing any of that was a bad idea. But there's even less to go on here and people are still adopting it. And they're adopting it because of their personal feelings about Donald Trump. And I feel like it's time that everyone can just admit that. Just let it go. Your emotional reactions to situations you don't fully understand are not a good basis for making important judgments that have real world consequences, not just for yourself, but all sorts of other people as well. We also need to move beyond the idea that The president is some kind of God King who gets to control everything and also gets the responsibility for everything. And I'll get back to this in just a second. But first, I just want to present a framing for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We understand Donald Trump as the man who came in. He exposed the fake news. He pushed his way into a controlling position in the Republican Party. In the Republican establishment, he took power from these people whose power had previously been unchallenged for a long time. Not only did he take power from the GOP establishment, he also exposed the GOP establishment. He showed the people that a lot of these people with little R's next to their name are just as corrupt as the people with little D's next to their name. And not only Are they as corrupt and as dishonest and as self-serving as the people with the little D's next to their name? They're actually working with those people with little D's next to their name in order to advance this global agenda. It turns out that the Republican Party establishment is just as corrupt as the Democrat Party establishment. So we need to clean up the Republican Party. That is what Donald Trump showed to the world. And in the same way, in the same manner, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is doing that with the Democrat Party. He's getting in there and he's saying to the people, to Democrat voters, look at what this actually is. You know this is what it is because you've watched them do it for a long time. All the complaints you have about the other side All of those issues you're having, you can see represented on your side as well. It turns out that the people with the little D's next to their name are no better than the people with the little R's next to their name. And Democrats don't want to hear that because Republicans at least have some inclination toward pragmatism. They want things to work. Democrats don't really have that. They have idealism, which is why they are constantly appealed to on an emotional level. They know bad things are going to happen in the world. They know that problems will arise. They don't want to be responsible for it. 
They want to feel instead like they are the solutions. If you can present them a moral case that they are on the right side of and tell them that they are the solution to the problem, they are just as happy to accept that logic as people on the right. That mindset is absolutely the same on both sides. That is why you have people supporting the uniparty right and the uniparty left. They don't think that they are doing the same thing and supporting the same thing. It just turns out that they are. RFK Jr. is exposing all of this to them. He is going to change their minds about a range of topics. He's changing minds about the vaccines and big pharma. He will eventually prove that our elections are rigged and stolen and that the Democrat Party is completely on board with the regime in doing that. And he is convincing Democrats who have spent the last eight years consumed with Trump hate and cheering for the deep state and the regime in hopes that they will actually take down Trump. He's showing all those people, hey, that deep state thing that you're supporting right now because you hate Trump. Yeah, that's actually a huge problem in the country, and it might be the biggest problem in the country. The political parties aren't looking out for you. The DNC are not your friends. I would submit to you that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is doing for the Democrat Party exactly what Donald Trump did for the Republican Party over the last eight years. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is the Donald Trump of the left, despite the fact that most Robert F. Kennedy Jr. supporters will not want to admit that. And why is that so off-putting for them? Because all of them embody that foundational misunderstanding about Donald Trump. He's the one with all the character flaws. Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s not like that. He is a great and wonderful man without any character flaws. And if it turns out that we find out in the future about what his character flaws might be, well, they'll make excuses for all of that. And when they do... I'm not going to have a problem with it because I don't think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is the sum of his character flaws. I think he is an important figure who may well help our nation at a critical time in critical ways, the same way I think of Donald Trump. And because I see him that way, because I know that he is doing something important at a level higher than I have access to. With information I don't have access to, I'm going to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt for a little while and see if maybe there are other interpretations of situations that I can come to grips with rather than assuming that he is the product of his character flaws. Because not only would that be immature and senseless and immoral, it would also put me on a path to achieve poor results, not only in my thinking, but also in the world, because whatever opinions I ended up with about Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s character flaws would not be nearly as important as the rest of it. Donald Trump accomplished something real on the right. And I expect that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to accomplish the same thing on the left. I want that quite a lot. If there was one single thing I could think of that would unify this country faster than absolutely anything else, that's it. 
show Democrats that their party is not the savior of the world. It's not the savior to them. In fact, it has been exploiting them for decades and it steals elections. And that's why your country is in the state that it's in. When they understand that, I imagine a great many of them are going to want to fix that and they will be looking for solutions rather than figuring out how to blame that too on Donald Trump. If you want people to unify around the truth and unify around a place from which the country can move forward, that's how to do it. The Donald Trump of the left, that's Robert F. Kennedy Jr., And it doesn't matter if you find the opinion distasteful. And that brings me to this. Last night, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote on Twitter, it's not about conspiracy. It's about transparency. In a midnight Friday night announcement, the White House has delivered the bad news that President Biden will be maintaining secrecy indefinitely on some JFK assassination related records. The assassination was 60 years ago. What national security secrets could possibly be at risk? What are they hiding? The White House announcement is unlawful. In 1992, the JFK Records Act was passed unanimously by Congress with the promise that all assassination related records would be released no later than October 2017. This promise has broken once again with this midnight announcement. Public trust in government is at an all time low. Releasing these records would be a small but significant step toward regaining that trust. This is from Friday evening in the Daily Caller. National Archives quietly releases trove of JFK assassination records. The National Archives and Records Administration announced Friday the release of additional records associated with the assassination of former President John F. Kennedy. The records were released after President Biden's directive that agencies review all redactions in records and reveal all information. NARA collaborated with agencies to release 2,672 additional documents with fewer redactions than previous iterations. The newly released Kennedy documents are subject to the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, and they are available to view online and the Daily Caller links to where you can find the documents. NARA's National Declassification Center will continue revealing new information, quote, as specific identified harm dissipates, then triggering public disclosure, the agency said in a Friday press release. Dr. Colleen Shogan, 11th archivist of the United States, highlighted the importance of transparency in a statement. At the National Archives, we believe in the importance of government transparency and the accessibility of information. The dedicated and detailed work completed by NARA staff and our partners and stakeholder agencies is an excellent representation of how we can collaborate together to ensure that the maximum amount of information is made available to the American people while we protect what we must. I have every confidence that the NDC's implementation of these plans offers a clear path forward for public transparency and the timely release of additional information as circumstances warrant. And again, the timely release is already 60 years later. We are just perpetually told that national security interests are on the line with the release of these JFK documents. 
and therefore the public can't see them. We've been told this forever. We are told that there were still people living who were involved in this and named in the documents, and therefore it wouldn't be fair to them if these documents were released. We've been given all sorts of excuses why these documents can't be released. And to be fair, they probably do have national security implications because once they are out, I imagine that people will never, ever, ever trust the government ever again at all on either side. And hey, I can't wait till that happens. It's probably going to be sometime late next year. There's absolutely no way it's all going to come out under Biden. And if we end up with a Biden replacement like Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or Ron DeSantis, they're probably not going to come out at all. Now, I don't think there's any chance we're going to see any of those people actually become president and certainly not in any normal way that the country would support. But we'll see what the future holds in response to Robert F. Kennedy's Twitter thread. I responded It's a good thing Trump will be releasing it all when he's recognized as president once again. And that was a very well-performing tweet that I posted in a couple of ways. First off, it got a lot of attention and a lot of good response, but also it attracted a bot storm and probably 50 to 100 absolute morons. I think I basically found some hidden cheat code on how to make every standard issue villager on the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right have a meltdown at the same time. One tweet had them all melting down. Everyone who was not a Trump supporter had a complete and total meltdown. What do you mean recognized as president? Well, I mean, Donald Trump is the duly elected president. There's absolutely no way in the world Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. If you want to believe that Joe Biden was somehow constitutionally elected, constitutionally certified and constitutionally inaugurated, you only need to explain why he wasn't any of those things. If you want to claim that nonetheless, he is the real president, by all means, claim it. And hey, maybe he'll be right. Maybe I'm wrong. Don't think so, but maybe you'll be right. Donald Trump knows who won the election and he didn't just let the country fall into the abyss, hoping that he would be able to beat the rigged election system next time. So that part made people very mad because that is all a conspiracy theory. People who wore masks in their cars and injected themselves with poison because the television told them they should wanted to let me know that I am very dumb and I don't understand what's going on and I'm lying and I got tricked and I'm QAnon and blah, 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 all of the things. It was very entertaining, but that wasn't the only thing that triggered people. People were also triggered by me saying that Donald Trump would release the rest of the JFK files when he is again recognized as president. And that could come through an election next year. I'm not sure how all of this will wind down, and I don't pretend to be, but I am pretty certain that he will be recognized as president once again, or I suppose there's some chance that he might just play kingmaker. But either way, those files will come out, and that too triggers people. The people on the Uniparty right and the people on the Uniparty left do not want Donald Trump back in there. 
and releasing the JFK files for them is not a huge priority. What they are most worried about in the world is disinformation and conspiracy theorists, and they know that conspiracy theorists would have a field day with all of that real information that supports what people have believed for decades. You know, conspiracy theories that just so happen to be totally backed by the real information they will have hidden from us. I was talking about this with a very smart friend of mine yesterday, and I said, sure, we don't know exactly what's in those files, but we know that the error on what we think we know is only going to go in one direction. Like we understand that the government, maybe the CIA, maybe some foreign elements, maybe the mafia conspired to kill John F. Kennedy, the president of the United States of America. Now, we don't know all the details on that, but when we get all the details, which way do you think we are going to go? We are not going to sit there and say, oh, that wasn't so bad. It's going to be the exact opposite of that. If it wasn't much worse than we possibly imagine, they would have released these files a long time ago. There's no chance of it being, oh, that's not so bad. There is only a chance of it being much, much worse and implicating far more people. Many of those people still in and around power in Washington or their ideological or bloodline descendants in and around power in Washington. So there are a lot of people who want to protect themselves from that, too. And then you have normal RFK Jr. supporters who don't realize yet that RFK Jr. is the Donald Trump of the left, and they are still in the hate movement and don't want to let it go. But they also find it embarrassing to support Joe Biden. So now they are Robert F. Kennedy Jr. people, and they think they're still the smartest people on Earth even though they also happen to be the sort of people who say at least that they believe Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. But the people who got mad at something other than my phrase recognized as president got mad at the idea that Donald Trump would be the one to release them. They all said the exact same thing. Donald Trump had a chance to release them and he blocked them. So he's not going to do it in his second term because Donald Trump is a tool of the regime. Now that doesn't make any sense. Why? Because that ridiculous idea is once again, part of the same foundational misunderstanding. Donald Trump is bad. Therefore it is easy to believe that Donald Trump is serving this global regime, and he's too weak, too complicit, or otherwise just simply doesn't care enough to actually release these files. He had a chance. He didn't do it. It's because of his character flaws. And there's no point in thinking beyond that. We are being told that Donald Trump, who was close friends with John F. Kennedy Jr., doesn't want to release the JFK assassination files. That is ridiculous on its face, but you don't need to go with that at all. That is just one piece of information that may evidence my side of the case. Now, the second question is, 
who has the documents that Trump would have released? It turns out, as we just heard in the Daily Caller article, that would be the National Archives and Records Administration, otherwise known as NARA, otherwise known as those librarians who contacted the Justice Department in order to get files from Donald Trump that were rightfully his personal property, leading to the first ever indictment of a former president. Donald Trump's attorneys were negotiating with NARA about these records, and they got sick of Donald Trump and his lawyers not getting his personal property to them fast enough. So now the administration has indicted the leader of the political opposition. That NARA is the organization with those JFK files. But we are being told that it's Donald Trump's fault that they didn't release all of those files. Donald Trump, as president, is a God King. He has all the power to make every element of government do whatever he says. That's what the president is in the minds of these people. Therefore, if something doesn't happen, Donald Trump is responsible for it. Now, did every element of the deep state federal bureaucracy, the administrative state, do absolutely whatever they could to undermine Donald Trump at every point possible? Yes, of course. But that is Donald Trump's fault. And if he didn't have all those underlying character flaws, they probably would have worked with him to destroy the deep state and the administrative state bureaucracy. Oh, no, wait, that's them. And there's no way that they would have ever put all of that in question. So that is yet Another reason why believing that it is Donald Trump's fault that the JFK files didn't come out and that he would not put them out in the future is absolutely ludicrous. But there's more. They're making the argument that Donald Trump didn't do something when he had the chance to do it. And we hear that argument a lot. Why didn't Donald Trump fully drain the swamp? And why would we then trust him to do it next time? You trust him to do it because you're a cultist. Oh, yeah, it's that again. Oh, yeah, it's that again. It's his personal character flaws and our personal character flaws. Once again, that's the explanation for everything. He didn't complete all of the items on his agenda in his first term because of his character flaws. And we can't trust him to do it in a second term because he didn't finish it in the first term. Now, that doesn't make any sense at all. Once again, unless what you want to do is place blame on Donald Trump. If that's not your goal, then you might consider that draining the swamp, removing a deep state administrative bureaucracy that has existed and grown and festered over the course of six or seven decades or longer may take more than just four years, especially four years in which that deep state and administrative state bureaucracy is trying to undermine the president who is attempting to drain the swamp at every possible turn all the time, including by infiltrating his own cabinet.
And oh, yeah, they're also being aided in their anti-Trump efforts by all of the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world and all of the biggest institutions, many of them directly connected to the global governing apparatus. Now, to this point, you're probably saying, well, you're just making an excuse for Donald Trump. He said he was going to drain the swamp. The swamp is not completely drained. So that's a failure. I mean, at best, you would have to say that's an incomplete. He didn't get the job done. He didn't get the job finished. But of course, that's not the end of the story. That's not when you just say, well, it's over. He didn't get it done. And that is proof that Donald Trump is not who you think he is and instead is the person that the television says he is. He did not get the job done. It was a failure. Well, was it a failure or is it just incomplete? I would submit to you that it is incomplete. And then if it is incomplete, the question becomes, why was this agenda item left incomplete? And at some point through engaging with that question, you might stumble upon the thought that, oh, wait, oh, yeah, Donald Trump actually won a second term and the regime kept him out of office by stealing an election. And they could have never done that successfully without so many citizens out there prepared to believe that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes or that they would at least agree to go along with that obviously false story because once again, Donald Trump's character flaws actually make it worth it to allow our country to be usurped just so we no longer have that man in the office of the president, despite the fact that everyone knows he won the election. So we have the idea that Donald Trump, despite being friends with JFK's son, would not prioritize releasing these files. Then we have the fact that these files are being held by the same people who are facilitating this indictment of Donald Trump over documents that were his own personal property. And then we have the fact that the people saying we can't trust Donald Trump to do that in the second term because he didn't get it done in the first term and therefore he's a failure are the very people who helped cover up the fact that Donald Trump isn't in his quote unquote second term right now because the regime that actually killed JFK stole the election from Donald Trump. It is nearly impossible for a normal thinking, rational person to come to these conclusions the only way it is possible is to be strongly committed to a serious foundational misunderstanding, which is the list of Donald Trump's character flaws and their importance because you exist in a false reality. Donald Trump's character flaws do not explain away any of the things that I just said, but those character flaws are the only possible basis for their explanations of what's happening here, which is why those explanations make absolutely no sense. And because they're blaming it all on a person and his character flaws, rather than engaging with the subject matter and trying to figure out what might be happening in the world and whether that explanation makes any sense. 
Now, let's say you are a far more reasonable person than the people I encountered on Twitter in the replies to this post last night. You might say, "Okay, well, I believe that Donald Trump probably would release those files in his second term, but it is an absolute guarantee that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would release those files. And I would say to you, yes, I agree. It is a guarantee that if RFK Jr. was president, he would absolutely release the JFK assassination files if he could. But not only is there no reason to believe that he could if this deep state, this administrative state bureaucracy remains in place and remains in power to the extent it has been in power. There's also absolutely no reason to believe that the regime who assassinated his uncle is going to let him win an election that they can rig. So how do you think that is going to work out RFK Jr. supporters? And again, I am totally down with RFK Jr. I think he has some bad opinions and some wrong opinions. I think that a lot of those will probably be resolved over the next couple years as people begin to wake up and he brings them back to a position of normalcy, engaging with reality in the real world, the empirical, observable reality. I think that those positions I don't agree with coming out of the RFK Jr. camp will be resolved over the next 16 months. I do believe that. But regardless, on my big priorities, he is mostly on board. And he seems to be a truth teller. And he seems to understand that the problems are not the ridiculous nonsense we are fed by the mainstream media and by the uniparty left and uniparty right. He is authentically anti-establishment in a moment where anti-establishmentism is a necessity. But regardless of my affinity for Robert F. Kennedy Jr., there is absolutely no way to get to that point without solving the stolen election problem. And that means focusing primarily on the stolen election of 2020, the one that was stolen from Donald J. Trump, the duly elected president of the United States of America. Until that situation is rectified, there will be no moving on. The idea that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. could win a rigged election from the same regime who assassinated his uncle and his father is absolutely insane. So, hey, RFK Jr. supporters, it's about damn time you got your priorities straight and got on board. We are your allies. It's not Joe Biden voters, and it's certainly not people supporting Ron DeSantis. You want to take down the deep state and the administrative state? Why not actually join forces with the genuine article, the guy that let America know that thing exists and is real and can be conquered. But nope, they won't do it. They can't do it. They think it's immoral or stupid to do it because they've been telling themselves that for a really long time. All of that rooted in the foundational misunderstanding about Donald Trump's character flaws. They can go through all of these priorities. The vaccine regime must be taken down. The deep state and the intelligence apparatus must be taken down. 
We need to deal with transnational corporations. We need to deal with central bankers. All of that is absolutely crucial, and there's no way to do it without fixing this stolen election problem. But if it, if it means changing our opinions about who Donald Trump is and what he represents, well, we're just not going to be able to do that. And what is a normal person to say in response? Well, okay, commie, I guess have it your way. I mean, it has worked out great so far. And this is another one of those moments where people are like, oh, okay, so you, Mr. Podcast host, you can just tell other people that they have to change and they have to come to your position. Well, that's not exactly what I'm saying, but also, yes, in this case, the truth is, though, I already went through the change I'm asking them to make. And I also understand I might have to go through that change again in my life. Maybe one time, maybe two times, maybe many times, maybe about politics, maybe about my personal life, maybe about my spiritual worldview. I might have to make these changes over and over again throughout my life when I realize that I have come to embody a foundational misunderstanding that is now polluting my thinking in a wide range of issues. We eventually have to let that part of our ego go. We don't want to move ourselves to the right position because it will mean that someone we didn't like was right. I would rather be in the right position because it's better for me. And it means that I act in a way that is better for others. That's better than getting the win against someone who told you you're wrong. And the craziest thing is that the most possible personal growth comes from admitting that someone else was right and you were wrong and then making amends with that person or with all of the people who represented that opinion. That's just part of life and growing up and learning to make better decisions. And it is possible to actually enjoy that process. So I noted that upon tweeting my response to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a lot of people got very, very upset. But in addition, I was also swarmed by bots and I have become fairly accustomed to being swarmed by bots and being able to recognize bots. I will go check out someone's Twitter profile and see what they have posted about in the past, how many posts they have, how many followers, who they follow. There are a bunch of little signals you can pick up on and patterns you can pick up on when you pay attention to this stuff and you have it in your head that any person responding to you could potentially be a bot. And you should think that every time someone is responding to you on Twitter. That is why I don't take people particularly seriously and why I don't spend my time making complex arguments with people on there. Those people are primarily there to do exactly what they are doing. They want to disrupt counter narratives in threads they might find damaging. The concept of bots and bot armies on social media is actually pretty complex. And the bots are highly effective. They are one of the major tools in influencing and changing and shifting narratives in order to create real world outcomes that correspond with the global agenda. 
I've talked many times about how I believe that Twitter is the most powerful information weapon in the history of the world. It is the information death star. And it seems to me that the control over that information has slowly been wrested from the hands of the global regime and the operators within that regime. When Elon Musk took over Twitter, he said it was a priority to get rid of bots. And he has talked quite a few times about how he intends to do that. He's talked about the effect of verification and how it's much harder to create bot armies with verified profiles. And this weekend, we heard about a new approach. Elon Musk explained on Twitter Saturday, writing, to address extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation, we've applied the following temporary limits. Verified accounts are limited to reading 6,000 posts a day, unverified accounts to 600 posts a day, and new unverified accounts to 300 a day. Now, 6,000 posts a day might seem like a lot, but if you go into a post and you scan through the replies and you read 20 replies as you scroll down, that's 21 posts. If you do that 30 times throughout the day, then you have hit the rate limit and you won't be able to see more posts. He also made it impossible for people to see posts if they weren't signed in with a Twitter account. In his substack called Coffee and COVID, Jeff Childers describes data scraping as when a computer or AI downloads massive numbers of tweets at a time. He says, without getting too technical, the AI pretends to be a user, sending the Twitter servers thousands and thousands of rapidly fired requests for more and more data. And apart from the unreal velocity of the requests, otherwise appears to be a regular social media addict on speed. He says the AI then saves all those scraped tweets in a searchable database someplace. Now, I've also talked quite a few times about Amazon Web Services and something they call the fire hose. I think that I'm safe saying there is or was some sort of great algorithm and data source in the clouds that collects all of the data from everywhere. Think about all of the apps you interact with that collect your data, whether it's some shopping app like Amazon all of a sudden knows exactly what you might want to buy next or your social media apps that track everything you say and think and the people you interact with your map apps on your mobile phone that travel around with you in the car and send data back to that great algorithm in the clouds about where you are at all times somewhere. All of that data is collected and analyzed so that the AI can learn how to manipulate and influence you in particular whenever it wants to. It will supply you a feed of content that will lead you to the proper outcomes in your thinking, your behavior, your buying behavior. Now, all of that data is of critical importance for them to be able to properly run these bot armies and properly be able to censor. And once you understand that, you will quickly realize the next step, which is 
if Elon Musk has made it impossible for them to do that on Twitter, then they will no longer be able to effectively target their bot armies and effectively target their censorship, their narrative manipulation, and the responses necessary to quash counter-narrative uprisings online. Elon Musk has consistently talked about creating an environment for free speech on Twitter and this beyond anything else so far that he has done seems to be a legitimate move in that direction. We talked about a bit of this on devolution power hour on Saturday night. So if you heard it then, then you're going to have a replay of some of that, but I do want to play a couple of minutes of a video made by a man named Mike Benz, who used to work in cyber for the state department under Donald Trump and who has now started an organization called the Foundation for Freedom Online. Good morning. I am here out for a hike in beautiful Coldwater Canyon in Hollywood, and thought I would record my take on this new rate limit controversy happening right now on Twitter with Elon Musk limiting uh, Twitter access to 6,000 and now 8,000 tweets per day for verified users and 600 to 800 for non-verified. And I'm going to sort of address this issue from the perspective of the censorship industry, because it's a really fascinating thing that Musk just did with with wide ranging implications for the science of censorship. So uh, for those who've been following me and Foundation for Freedom Online for some time, you know that uh, AI censorship is where all of the magic happens. You know, the Twitter files showed how you know, the FBI might come in and, and you know, get 22 tweets censored. But AI was how uh, EIP and other type of uh, third-party censorship groups were able to get 22 million tweets censored. So the order of, of it's, you know, that's six orders of magnitude, right? There's, it, it's, a, it's a completely different animal. You could not censor the Internet before 2016 at the kind of scale that you do now because you have AI censorship models that is there's a ai censorship death star that has been under construction and innovation and renovation uh you know every every week every month every year for the past six seven years now and it all relies on massive scraping of twitter data in order to build these models and databases to track trending narratives to systematically surveil and builds sort of intelligence dossiers and to track and to turn down all at once communities online, you know, political communities, uh, social or public health communities, you know, uh, any you know, climate communities, I mean, the, you name it, whatever the sensitive policy issue of the day is, you can use this massive Twitter scraping capacity to ingest everyone's tweets and then disambiguate out all of the words that they're using, the hashtags, the themes, the memes, and to build this sort of code book of, of, of online communities that can then be used for mass censorship, that is used for mass censorship. Now, we've spent enough time on the censorship regime over the past couple of years that I would imagine most of the people listening to this right now are pretty familiar with the extent to which this censorship regime is actually able to control the online conversation and through controlling the online conversation, controlling what people actually end up thinking 
about the world and what's going on. It presents a false view of reality that people then accept as real. And in doing so, they exist in that false reality and perpetuate that false reality. Now, Mike Benz goes on in that video to describe the potential downside of what Elon Musk is doing. Some people naturally have viewed this rate limiting on Twitter as some form of censorship in itself. He's not allowing people to see all the content they would see before. And people are claiming that that is censorship and that censorship is being implemented to influence the riots currently happening in France. And we'll get back to that in just a moment. This is from an account named the Sicilian Irish Robot on Twitter. If you'd like to find this post, the account is at Mr. Y Robozo. Mr. The letter Y, R-O-B-O-Z-O. Some people asked me to share what I just shared in a space about the rate limits. I don't work for Twitter, but I do architect IT cloud solutions as my day job. It is temporary. Twitter's rate limiting is not what everyone is thinking it is. It is not to punish non-paying users. Data scraping is a big deal. This is where automated systems load the website or app and pull your tweets and data. It's a huge security issue. Automated systems are pulling every tweet, word, and user account information to store in an unknown database somewhere else. This could be state actors like China, the U.S. government, Australia, or other bad political actors like PACs, political action committees, that are trying to gain access to everyone's information to analyze and use for nefarious things. Manipulating what is said on the site can be done at scale with data scraping. It could also be used to figure out the identity of Anons or to punish people in their country for what they tweet. And he writes, looking at you, Australia and Canada and the United Kingdom. The temporary measures of limiting tweets is to protect users just as much as it is to protect the entire Twitter network from going down. They are currently scrambling to get ahead of this and tune their network security to block it from happening again. It's also important to note that Twitter has 500,000 plus servers. That's not free. In cloud data centers, the companies that use them have to pay for what is called ingress and egress of data going in and out of the servers. A data scraping event that is large enough for them to start limiting means that it was a massive event that could be considered an attack on the site. It would also put massive load on their servers and cost them so much money it could threaten the site's financial ability to keep running. It could be on purpose to put Twitter out of business from cost alone. Many people are misunderstanding why Elon Musk wants people to pay for Twitter or for the Twitter API, a program interface that can pull data for other sites and apps. The reason he wants people to pay is because if China or porn companies want to create massive bot farms of fake accounts, it is currently free. These bad actors are highly skilled and operate like a business. They have professional staff that continuously change their tactics, and Twitter engineers have to fight 24-7 to stay ahead of them. If they have to pay for every account or pay to use the API, it would cost them a lot of money. This limits the amount of people who could create bots, put automated porn on Twitter, and the hacking, scraping, and DDoS, that's denial of service, attacks on the site. It protects you. 
It also guarantees Twitter will continue to exist without bloating it with tons of ads. This is all part of the plan to create a free speech place we can enjoy without being controlled by outside actors or advertising companies. I know $8 is a lot to some people. It is for many reasons. None of the reasons are to hurt or punish people. So that explanation tracks with my thinking, it tracks with what Elon Musk is saying, and it tracks with one of the two options presented by Mike Benz, who absolutely knows what he's talking about. Now, a lot of people think the worst of Elon Musk all the time because he has investments linked to China. He has been linked to the World Economic Forum. And all of those are valid concerns that absolutely must be dealt with. But the way to deal with them, as I mentioned earlier, is to take a wait and see approach, because while those things are bad, they are not the only things at issue, and they are not the most important concerns. If Elon Musk successfully creates a free speech platform on Twitter, the fact that he was linked to China or the World Economic Forum become immediately irrelevant because they are not very important compared to the possibility of a free speech Twitter. It is just fine to be skeptical about Elon Musk, but it would be crazy to hold on to that, even if you can see in the real world a genuine, important, effective attempt to remove the censorship regime and disarm the censorship regime once and for all. That is just absolutely more important, and it seems like that's exactly what he's doing. But rather than attempting to understand all that, taking a wait-and-see approach and finding out whether or not Elon Musk is telling the truth about this and whether or not this process will be effective in creating more free speech on Twitter— People are simply assuming that Elon Musk is working on behalf of the regime. That's why he hired Linda Yaccarino. He's got those relationships with China. He's invested in Neuralink, which means that he is a transhumanist. He is actually the problem. Well, once you adopt that viewpoint and commit to it to the point where it becomes unshakable, then you deprive yourself of the opportunity to know what else might be going on. And you also end up adopting a lot of really bad conclusions, like Elon Musk is censoring Twitter this weekend in order to influence the riots in France on behalf of the regime. And that view is made even worse because a lot of the people expressing it actually think that Twitter helped the Arab Spring and that all of that was good when all of that was actually a color revolution aided by the technology and then excused by telling the world how great it was that the Arab Spring happened. What's happening in France right now is clearly a color revolution. They initially said that all of it was happening because of a police-involved shooting. They got a BLM video and now they're having themselves a BLM Antifa, except the people who are acting as BLM Antifa are actually Muslim immigrants. So are Muslim immigrants rioting in France and burning down Paris over video of a police-involved shooting? There is almost no chance that's true. So why are they rioting? Well, they're rioting to destabilize France. 
That's what riots are for. That's why the regime uses them so often in all of their color revolutions. They try to destabilize societies. We've talked about this many times. In some countries, it's one of these social movements, the BLM Antifa thing. They've used that all over the world. They used it in Taiwan with the student protests. Very similar thematically. Sometimes they use immigrants and sometimes they use terrorist organizations. The point is they have different means and methods, different explanations for the destabilization element of the color revolutions they continue to run around the world. Protests and riots of this size and magnitude and the level of violence are not just natural organic uprisings and certainly not for masses of Muslim immigrants mad about a police-involved shooting. It doesn't make sense. You have to believe too many false narratives propagated by the regime over decades to actually believe that explanation. But what does make sense? Well, it seems like this is all an attempt to take out Emmanuel Macron. I have not been a fan of old Manny Mac for ever, really. But there have been a few instances that I have noted over the last few months that makes me think there is something different there in the relationship between Emmanuel Macron and the regime who we have understood to be in control of Macron. So, what are those signals? Well, France has never been a major player. In the Russia-Ukraine situation, yesterday there was actually a story in the Telegraph UK about how French tanks were being blamed for the deaths of Ukrainian soldiers. And in addition to that, over the past few weeks, there has been news that Macron wants to join the BRICS summit to take place in August. They say he is trying to elbow his way into the meeting. And it is causing speculation that France may want to join the BRICS alignment. And if that happens, that would be absolutely massive and tremendously destructive to the regime. It would be a massive blow to the central bankers and another major hit in this global fiat system currently branded as the U.S. dollar. The potential that France might align with the BRICS nations on their currency is the sort of thing that would trigger an uprising like this, a destabilizing of a country in an attempt to depose the leader, considering moving his country away from the central bank fiat currency. That's not some small thing. And it has a whole lot more explanatory value in this situation than video of a police officer involved shooting. And I just want to add one more point of punctuation onto this discussion. Colonel Douglas McGregor did an interview with the PBD podcast, and I suggest absolutely everyone takes the time to listen to it. It is fascinating. But at some point in the second hour, he says this. You're absolutely right. I don't think we'll ever get to the 2024 election. I think things are going to implode in Washington before then. I think our economic financial condition is fragile. It's going to come home to roost in ugly ways. 
I will tell you, I don't know exactly how it will happen. I think we're going to end up in a situation where we find out the banks are closed for two or three weeks and nobody can get into them. You think so? I think we're going to run into something like that, yeah. I also think that the levels of violence and criminality in our cities is so high that it's going to spill over into other places in society. People that normally think they can live remote from the problem are now beginning to be touched by the problem. Then I look at this thing in Ukraine. I think Ukraine is going to lose catastrophically. It's going to be a complete collapse. And that, too, is going to have an effect here at home because people are going to say, well, wait a minute. Everybody told us Ukraine was winning. Everybody told us X, Y, and Z. I mean, sort of the, the Russian hoax on steroids. All of those things are going to come together or converge in some way that's going to prevent us from reaching, you know, the status quo, oh, another election, oh, another set of campaigns, and so forth. Now, why would the banks be closed for two or three weeks? Why would they just be shut down to the point where no one can get into them? I suspect the answer is because our country, like these other countries, is moving away from the central banks and the global fiat currency that has controlled this world for decades, if not centuries, if not millennia. So I guess what we're left with is a choice. Does all of this sound like a more plausible explanation for what's happening in this world, or is it Donald Trump's character flaws? I hope you all have a wonderful 4th of July holiday. Keep in mind what it is this holiday is for and the people who have sacrificed to make this nation the way it is. And may we all get to the point within these next couple of years that we are able to restore that vision in this country and make this country great again. I am going to take the day off tomorrow. I have things to do on Wednesday, so I will not have a show out on either of those two days, but I will be back on Thursday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!